Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 72. That's 72 weeks of fun. That's 72 virgins in heaven. Is that the right number? I'm not good with religion, and that's not what this podcast is about. Instead, it's about modern beers and 90s nostalgia. And holy crap, have I got an episode for you this week. Keep your pants on. Uh, you're going to be able to because your boner will keep them up. Is that inappropriate? Probably. Let's not focus on that because I'm on a roll. Uh, This week for the beer segment of the show, I was in the best kept secret in craft beer in all of America, Des Moines, Iowa. What? Yes. Uh, There are some of the best bars and accessibility to craft beer around the country in Des Moines, Iowa, around the world, really, if you count in some of these weird Swedish beers you can find and stuff, uh, like from Omni. But anyway, uh, amazing, amazing place. Highly recommend a visit. You could literally do a beer visit and be there for an entire week. You will die from alcohol, but imagine the fun you will have. So much fun. And then for the main subject of the show, we'll talk about something that continues to advance every single day and has been advancing since its first use in 1960 and that is coming up in a little i'm gonna give it over to myself hey justin take it over after this song Alright, this week I am on location in Des Moines, Iowa, um, where there is the best beer place you could go to uh, in the country, in my opinion, and I've been to half the states. Um, (laughs) It is a place called El Bait Shop. They have 266 taps, and it's insane. It is literally insane. Uh, Sitting there, I had a couple flights to try some different stuff, a lot of great Iowa beers, which uh, I will talk about in a moment. But in addition to that, I ended up sitting next to some people that worked at some breweries, and one of the guys from Back Pocket Brewing, Ryan, I believe, yeah, he's the assistant brewer, Ryan. Um, He happened to have some of their beer with him, and he went out to his car, got me a couple bottles to take with me. So we'll be trying that today and going over some of the beers that I had at El Bait Shop because... I always got some damn good beers, and I'd love to share them with you and tell you what I think of them. So before I crack this open, let me just tell you what I had yesterday. Um, I tried to stick with all Iowa beers. So I had a Single Speed Ocelot, which is a milkshake IPA with coffee. Uh, Madhouse Coffee Diesel, which is a sour with coffee. That was interesting. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. And then Lake Time Brewing uh, Oreo Speedwagon, which is a milk stout with vanilla and chocolate. And Barntown L Bake Shop. Ooh, sounds like L Bake Shop. Hilarious. Uh, And that was a cinnamon pastry stout, which I don't know what a pastry stout is until I came here. I didn't know that was like a trend that was happening right now. And nope, not for me. They're super sweet. Um, Let me tell you about each one here. The Single Speed Ocelot. uh, The coffee was very subtle 
which I was looking for more since it was a milkshake IPA with coffee. Coffee being a weird part of that, I wanted to taste a little more of it and didn't. Uh, super light in color, lighter than I would have assumed just the IPA by itself would have been, so that was, that was strange. And very heavy on the lactose. Um, it was tasty, but not that I'd order again. And the second one, Madhouse Brewing Coffee Diesel, the sour with coffee. Um, it was dark like coffee, but it was uh, the the base sour beer there is, was really, really good. Um, the coffee flavor was subtle. It was definite like smell that you could get from it, um, but not not a super strong flavor of the coffee. But the, the aroma was great. It was like the coffee was fighting to get through the sour. Um, still, I like that combination. It was, it was neat. The third one, Lake Time Oreo Speedwagon. Now, I don't know if you guys listened, but Brewlink has a double O stout, which is leans in hard on the uh, Oreo thing. And this was nail on the head Oreo flavor. This one was so good. Um, I wish I had a little bit more of like the chocolate cookie flavor that you get from just the cookie part of an Oreo, but it was really good. And it was really lightweight for a stout. Like it didn't feel heavy, um, which was great. I highly recommend that Lake time brewing Oreo Speedwagon, and then Barntown L bake shop cinnamon pastry stout. That was, uh, it was creamy and sweet, but it was really sweet. It was too sweet. Um, I too sweet. It tasted like uh, if Cinnabon made a sugary drink, which I'm sure they probably do. It was very cinnamony, very sugary. Um, I don't know about these pastry stouts that are happening, and I, I feel like it may be a testament to the obesity in this nation. <laughs> um, those are the ones I got to try at the brewery, and then I'm about to crack open. Kitty Lime Pie, a sweet creamy ghost with uh, vanilla and fresh coriander from Back Pocket Brewing. Back Pocket Brewing. They're here. And they're in Iowa. They don't have a catchphrase anywhere. I also like that this beer, can't remember, it's not Key Lime Pie, it is Kitty Lime Pie. And it's very confusing because it's part of a cat series and it makes me very curious to know what the hell other beers are part of a cat series and the front of the bottle has a cat with lime glasses holding a piece of key lime pie kitty lime pie so that'll be interesting we'll crack that open and see what it flavors like that's how we say taste and when you're cool chipping Really nice color. Looks like an IPA. Like a, a light copper. A little cloudy. A little cloudy. The smell off the top of it is almost uh, almost like an expired beer smell. But the flavor quickly tells you that's wrong oh my goodness that's fantastic that is so good 
that key lime flavor with the the sour oh man and the vanilla holy crap holy crap this is seriously delicious mmm thank you Ryan from back pocket this is delicious um, if you guys get a chance to go to Iowa, I know people don't think of Iowa for much other than like cornfields, uh, and there are a lot of farms across the state, but, uh, Des Moines has some great breweries and all over the state you can find really great breweries and they make a lot of good beer and I've tried a lot of it, uh, over the years of me visiting here and highly recommend it. It is, it is the most surprising town that I've ever been to because I feel like there's a stereotype there that uh, they don't live up to, which is nice, and it's amazing. Their downtown is huge and sprawling, and there's a bunch of restaurants and shops and uh, breweries and beer halls, and it's great. It's a great place. You can walk around everywhere, and it's constantly developing. Every time I come here, every year, there's... There's new stuff up. Um, it's crazy. So check it out and check out Back Pocket Brewing if you can find them uh, or any other of the Iowa breweries that I mentioned earlier. Delightful in Des Moines. You guys can buy that phrase from me for $10 million. Okay, on to the main event. So two days but we are going to jump into the main segment of the episode and that is cgi what does that stand for crack girls insects no cars <laughs> gasoline ionizer closer but not really cameras gadgets insects nope still not insects um instead of continuing to guess and believe me i really want to can we just do an episode of that i will throw out acronyms that are actually acronyms and uh, my guests will attempt to say what they stand for do you drink that new founders beer kbs oh you must be talking about kissing brother samson it's delicious it's just like Brother Samson's lips. I don't know. There's a lot of things wrong with me. Uh, CGI, which I was, I, I thought, oh, it's got to stand for a computer graphic interface. Nope. I would have been super wrong. It's computer. Um, CGI has been around for decades. Uh, the first instance of CGI was a rendering of a planned highway. Like, like some city wanted to build a highway and in order to post highway. Um, at 110 kilometers per hour, which I'm going to be honest with you, I have no fucking idea how fast the world, uh, 59 years ago, seventies and the eighties, um, some of the more notable films that podcast will know of, uh, Westworld, which obviously is now a HBO show that is 
fucking awesome. I heard the original movie was terrible. Uh, and it's very difficult to get for free, and I refuse to pay until I watch that. Uh, Star Wars, obviously, the original Star Wars. Alien, the first Alien, which I didn't realize was in, like, 79. thought that was way later, but shows what I know. Uh, the Last Fighter, yeah. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, Labyrinth, Willow, The Abyss. I'll tell you what, if I had an 80s podcast, I would do just about all those fucking movies. So good. Um, and all these, for some of the obvious reasons, um, Willow, there was, like, there was, I think, the first, like, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis? Meta, how do you say that word? Where, like, someone's face changed into a different face. Um, Labyrinth had, like, I think, the first CGI creatures. Star Wars had a bunch of shit. Um, the Abyss was, I think, the first CGI uh, which if you guys haven't seen that movie or if you haven't seen it in like 30 years, go watch it. Um, I haven't seen it in probably like 25 years. So maybe I should watch it before I give that recommendation, but being pretty badass, And I definitely did not understand everything that was going on when I saw it as a child. That was the seventies and eighties, uh, but it was the nineties what this part the 90s uh that really started to make strides in developing like truly realistic cgi effects that created that are used today so there's a bunch of them but of all the films that use cgi throughout the 90s um i'm just gonna talk shot for shot about lawnmower man <laughs> that's not true at all nobody wants that uh, and it just reminds me of a community joke from season six. And if you didn't watch season six, well, fuck you too, man. Just kidding. Um, but <laughs> I, I do want to talk about the films of the nineties that had some of the bigger impacts on CGI and, and advancements that kind of helped transform it and grow it into what it's used for today. I mean, you look at some of the movies that are out there now, some of the Marvel movies and I mean, essentially any action or sci-fi like explosions and some of the stuff you never even really think about like yeah obviously that alien is not a fucking real alien but there's a fire that's not real water and fire so yeah uh one of my favorite shows that i just tried to mention a second ago that i never stopped talking about um community they have paintball fights every season and it's like the arc of the season at the end um conclusion of the season i don't know I don't know stories, okay? God. But it turns out, uh, found out from a Reddit post where some of the cast members were actually participating in the conversation, the paintballs were shot through a very low-impact air gun, um, like off-camera, so they didn't actually hurt the actors. But only a few of them were actually shot. The rest of them were all fucking CGI, which is crazy, because if you look at some of these... Like, you see them, ex like, hit their shirt and explode. And it, I, for the love of God, I thought it was a real paintball. And I've played fucking paintball. And that's crazy that it's CGI. Like, CGI has come leaps and bounds in these little ways that you never fucking think about. So these are some of the movies that, like, helped set the pavement for that. And uh, obviously it ramped up a shit ton in the, in the 2000s and the 2010s. Is that what we're saying? I don't know. But the teens, the 20-teens... Then what is 2011? What is 2012? I did always think 11 teen should be a number. So what is 2012? Because 2011 teen is a teen still. I'm getting off track. 
So here are some of the movies in chronological order that had some huge CGI impact throughout the 90s, which is the decade that we talk about on this show. I don't know. I'm having fun. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel a little kooky. A little kooky. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1990. Die Hard 2. That's right. Bruce Willis actually died in 1989. <laughs> That's not true. But Die Hard 2 uh, seems like a minor one. But if you think about a lot of sci-fi movies, um, this is huge. It's the first digitally manipulated map painting. So a map painting is essentially the backdrop. Um, if you ever see a movie and there's a set behind them and if you think about it or like just watch the set as the characters move around, you're like, oh, that's that's a painting. That's not real. Um, this is the first movie to digitally manipulate that. So there was stuff moving in the background. Like it looked, the background looked like it was alive because they digitally manipulated it in post. We'll fix it in post. We never fix anything in post on this show anymore. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, 1991. This one surprised me because I remember seeing this and I remember my mom being blown away from this movie. And I was, uh, I don't remember having a real effect from it, but I would have been like eight, if not younger. So that was Backdraft. Uh, Kurt Russell, I think, was in Backdraft. Um, so Backdraft is the first use of photorealistic CGI fire in a motion picture. And for a movie that is all about fucking fire and firefighters... And I don't recall anyone being like, that was fake as fuck. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a neat little accomplishment. And what a, what a crazy thing. I can't imagine having to map out fire. Uh, cause if you, I mean, if you've ever been drunk or high and stared at a fucking bonfire, just been like, Oh, look, it just does every, every second. It does something different. It's just, and then, Oh, look, the ashes, they, it's like they, they have their own path as they escape the flames. Um, fire's crazy. So they made photorealistic CGI fire. And I, I imagine it took fucking forever. So that's crazy. Uh, same year, 1991, Terminator 2. Uh, this was the first time they dipped a human being in liquid metal. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, that's obviously one of the effects. It was the first realistic human movements on a CGI character. So that could, I don't know what that applies to. That could apply to the T-1000, I believe, was the liquid metal guy or the Terminator himself because um, he had, you know, the metal hands and shit, which they did that in Star Wars, but I think that was robotic. So maybe they did CGI for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, is also the first partially computer-generated main character. That's obviously T-1000. Um and he got so much work from that role. It's crazy. I mean, you couldn't tell me something he's in now, but just think like Wayne's World and all the other like little bit parts where he played essentially that character just like as the joke. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> and then it was the first use of a personal computer to create major movie 3D effects. So this one is big to me because this is 1991. And... I mean, when I, we've talked about it many times on here, personal computers, gateway 2000 windows, 95, like all that shit came so much later 
1991, yet in 1991, they were using a personal computer, a PC, if you will, to create 3D effects for Terminator 2. Think about that. Just sit with that for a second, because that's fucking crazy. (laughs) That's like... How expensive was that? And can we call it a personal computer if it takes up your fucking living room? These are the questions we'll never find the answers to. Um, 1992. Great movie. I don't think we've talked about it on here before, but great movie. Death Becomes Her with uh, Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis and what the hell? uh, Susan Sarandon. Is that who it is? Yes, I think so. No. Who's the other one? Fuck. I always get these two women mixed up. I think it's Susan Sarandon. Which one's an alien? It's the one that's not an alien. If that helps at all. Probably doesn't. Alien Susan Sarandon, isn't it? I don't know. Fuck. Um, But Death Becomes Her. Fantastic movie. This is the first human skin CGI software. So they develop software because, well, because there is a lot going on. <laughs> um, oh my God. I'm going to look it up real quick because I just had an epiphany. Is it Goldie Hawn? But just she has like red hair. I think it might be. Meryl Streep. Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn. It is Goldie Hawn. Fuck. That's nowhere near Susan Sarandon. Who the fuck was I thinking of? Oh, I was thinking of Sigourney Weaver. That's who was an alien. Fuck. Ah, okay. (laughs) It's the eyes, man. They all got crazy eyes. Uh, First human skin CGI software though. Death becomes her. If you didn't see it, see it. I'm pretty sure it holds up. I think I watched it like 10 years ago. Uh, And it's just, it's really funny. It's really slapsticky. And just like uh, off the wall kind of humor. And the humans, because these two women like essentially try each other after they're already dead. And uh, Bruce Willis is the mortician, I believe. And so they like look okay because they like break their neck and their heads twist around. And it's like Beetlejuice-esque. But it, I mean, I feel like it didn't look that bad, but who knows. And then in 1992, continuing on, The Lawnmower Man. Oh, virtual reality. Remember when virtual reality was like the next big thing and then nothing happened with it until, uh, I don't know, this year with fucking VR headsets. And even those are fucking stupid. Like until I can put on a headset and see someone in front of me and then they either like grab my balls or punch my face and I can feel that. Is it really virtual reality or is it just like a really fucking close up TV screen to my face? Think about that, Samsung, or, you know, whoever makes that shit. Um, 1993, Jurassic Park. So this is, I think, the best one on the list for CGI. Because you can go back and watch Jurassic Park, and, like, those are good computer-generated images. (laughs) CGI, yes. Those are, but the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are fucking great, like... That was amazing when that came out and it holds up. Like you don't go back and watch it and be like, oh, that looks hokey as shit. The only thing that looks hokey as shit is like everybody's outfits, especially Newman. Um, great movie. 1993 Babylon five. 
think this is the only TV show I mentioned, but it's important because it's the first TV series that uses CGI as its primary method of visual effects. So like sets, backgrounds, even some characters like CGI, uh, which was huge and obviously adopted later in like some of the Star Trek Next Generation stuff and and uh, many, 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 many other shows as time progressed. But Babylon 5 93 was the first to use it as its primary. I think that's the key word there, primary method of visual effects. So <laughs> this is where you start seeing a pattern. <laughs> I'll mention the pattern at the end. 1994, the Flintstones, yes, the Flintstones, with, I believe, John Goodman as Fred Flintstone. Uh, this was the first CGI-rendered fur. So that's, I'm guessing it was on, like, a, mole, a woolly mammoth or something. But that's, I mean, that's another thing, like, uh, water and fire that probably takes for fucking ever. Because you literally map out all those different hairs. It's crazy. Um, this was a crazy one. The Crow, also 94, so this was a happenstance. Um, this was the first deceased actor to be recreated through CGI. So if you don't know, Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, who was in The Crow. And you know, it's funny. I know so much about this, but I don't know if I've ever seen the movie in its entirety. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people that just got pissed when I said that. I'm sorry. But um, he's the he's the crow. And he got killed on set from a gun that was supposed to have blanks in it. Like it's tragic and crazy but so they cgi'd him for remaining pieces of the movie and that was the first time that's been done now i mean we do it constantly and you can go see like a hologram of tupac and shit it's real fucked up but that was crazy and that was in 94 that was the first time that that was done and i imagine it was done well maybe i should see the movie uh 95 Waterworld, kevin costner against water world uh this was the first realistic like photorealistic cg water so they did do the underwater stuff in abyss um and a lot of that was more like the creature or thing or god or whatever it is that was underwater if i'm not mistaken but this was i mean this was water this was where a lot of it was shot where there's water as far as you can see and I mean, it might have been partially shot out in the ocean, but I'm pretty sure that they were in like a soundstage filled with water for a lot of it. So, Waterworld, first realistic CG water in 1995. Also 1995, Casper. Casper had a couple things, but um, the big one was it was the first CGI character to interact realistically with live characters. Like, he would shake their hands and everything. Like, I, And I thought about that, like, oh, what about Roger Rabbit and shit? And I'm pretty sure those animations were just added later on um the same way you would do like bed knobs and broomsticks back in the day talking like back in the 70s bro um or is that 60s it's got to be 70s how old's angelo lansbury anyway and then uh also 95 toy story and there's before anyone harps on me i know there's a shit ton of animated computer animated movies from 95 to 2000 but toy story was the first feature length cgi film um big deal that's why i mentioned it i specifically didn't mention the nine billion other cgi movies that came out in the 90s plus unless they had like a big breakthrough thing they don't belong on this list anyway uh 1996 so there's only one big one in 96 and i'm happy it's on this list um, I didn't do as much research on the latter half of this as I wish I would have, but the movie 
is Dragonheart. Do you guys remember Dragonheart? Sean Connery's a fucking dragon. <laughs> I was super into Dun- uh, Dungeons and Dragons at the time and medieval weapons and all this shit. So when this came out, I was like, fuck yes. And I remember loving it. And then as I got older, I found out that it didn't do great. I didn't even know what like movie review. And no, I guess I knew what movie reviews were, but you know, like movie performances, box office numbers. I didn't give a shit about that when I was younger. Can't we go back to those simpler times? Just kidding. I'm already there. Um, I do get deterred nowadays. I know I'm derailing here, but I used to see everything just cause I was like, fuck it. It's a, it like, it's a movie. It is, it is a one and a half to two hour thing on a screen that involves more work and talent than I couldn't put forth myself. I don't know. It's just like, there's something magical about movies and Chad would probably, my friend Chad, I say Chad a lot on here, so I'm sure you guys know who he is. He would call it the blockbuster effect because I worked at Blockbuster. But I mean, I liked all that shit when I was younger too. I just like I I grew up on TV and movies, and I just fucking love it. So I saw everything, and I'm finally getting to a point where I'll read something and I'll be like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes says 25, percent and I just won't see it, and it blows my mind and it actually pisses me off because there's been billions of times. That's an exaggeration, but still, that I like very wholeheartedly disagree with places like Rotten Tomatoes. So it it bugs me that that's literally uh, become a deciding point sometimes. Like usually if if I have a Friday off and I want to see a movie, I'll just see what's playing and then I'll go see something. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go see something that's terrible. Like I haven't seen Venom yet. Venom was like one of my favorite comic books. The movie's now on like free HBO on demand. I still haven't fucking seen it. Me. Get your life together, Justin. Crazy. 1997. 1997 brought us uh, a couple big ones. So first, Star Wars. Oh, oh boy. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm on your side here. But Star Wars is the first re-released film with CGI elements added. Can you say Jabba the Hutt? Fucking assholes. Why are you going to ruin something good? You know? It's great. It's literally like one of the best film franchises of all time. So yeah, why not? Why not throw uh, two minutes of fucking garbage in it and re-release it? Sorry, I'm very sensitive about this. That's what it was. Uh, and guess what? Doesn't work super well when you try to add 1997 CGI effects into a 1977 film. Who knew? That's crazy. Who knew that would happen? That's nuts. Anyway. Uh, also 1997 Titanic came out now Titanic, uh, they made a number of advances, um, specifically in rendering flowing water, which is crazy to think about. Cause you think about like when they look down and they see floors starting to like fill with water. I wonder how much of that was CGI. Um, and they also used to do the renderings an open source Linux operating system, which apparently that was the first time that someone has done that. I don't know the first fucking thing about Linux. But, uh, cool, I guess. It's very James Cameron-esque that they used an open-sourced Linux uh, to render their, <laughs> their CGI. It just, it's very James Cameron-y, it seems. Uh, they did the same thing for Jerry Maguire. Just kidding. That was really his penis. 
1998. Now, we've done an episode on this uh, with my mother. This was What Dreams May Come. And this was the first use. I'm going to read this, though it takes a lot to put it all together. It is the first use of 3D. So here's what I gathered from that sentence. And I'll say it again. First use of 3D CGI in combination with 3D location scanning and motion analysis-based 3D camera tracking. So I'm pretty sure that there was a CGI 3D models, like someone holding the tennis ball or in a motion capture suit with little white balls all over them, like uh, you've seen, I'm sure, and other things. And they were dancing around and the camera followed them, even though nobody, including the cameraman, could actually see what was being generated because that would be done later on. That's what I gathered from that. I could be way off, but that movie was nominated or won. I think it might have won. Uh, the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Either way, uh, listen to that episode if you want to know more about that, because I did talk about that. And then, um, two out of three of these are great. 1999, the end of the decade. We get Fight Club. Fight Club had a lot. Um, Yeah, just a lot. So it's the first photogrammetry, photogram, yeah, I guess that's the word, photogrammetry, photogrammetry based uh, virtual cinematography scenes, including the first bullet time sex scene with fully naked body renderings. Uh, This, of course, is referring to when Tyler Durden and Marla are fucking, and it's real weird on camera, and it's uh, very CGI, but it's super cool to watch. And not just because they're fucking. Um, it is the uh, it is the first photo detailed facial deformation in extreme close-ups. So, if you've seen Fight Club, I'll explain what I'm talking about. If you haven't, spoiler alert. I mean, I guess not really. It's literally the first scene in the movie, and kind of the last scene because they're the same thing. But uh, so <laughs> I guess spoiler alert. But the first scene where they start in the, like, literally, like, the cells of the brain and the camera essentially just continues to zoom out, ends up coming out, like, a follicle on a face, up a hair, a bead of sweat, and then up Edward Norton's nose and and up the barrel of the gun. And then you, like, see it's Edward Norton with the gun in his mouth. And it seems like it's all, like, one shot as if they started the camera inside his body and just zoomed out. Uh, That was awesome and done super well and awesome and like accompanied by dust brothers i think it was and that was great song too and then when he shoots himself in the fucking head i guess it ends up being like kind of the neck but either way and his face like blows up and then contracts and uh like all that shit is but that's so that was all cgi and that was the first time that anything like that has ever been done and uh i'm sure people have done it since then I know, like, Michael Scott blew up Toby's head in his movie, and that was the most expensive shot of the film, uh, Threat Level Midnight. But anyway, that was uh, that was the first time anything like that has been done. That was Fight Club, that and the sex scene. And speaking of the bullet time sex scene, that's what they call it, because it's slowed down like that. Um, and it really, that term really resonates with the other 1999 film, 1999, 1999, The Matrix. 
So that was the first use of CG interpolation with bullet time effects. And I mean, you look at some of that shit in the Matrix. Obviously, the the bullet itself scene, the gun scene in the end where he's like, dodging bullets in super slow motion. Um, That was the first time that that has been done. And we've seen that bullet effect used way too many times now. Uh, But fuck if that was cool as shit when it came out. And then, just because I have to mention it, uh, <laughs> I'm a fucking hater. Sorry. And I heard someone defend this recently on a podcast who was, I believe, directly involved. Or maybe they were just a big fan. Uh, Star Wars Episode One. So, it had... Ugh. <laughs> a lot of people complained that there weren't as much like puppetry and stuff in this, and someone defended it recently where they're like oh no it had so much you people are crazy but it also had um, it was the first cg supporting cast members and it was like that because there was always a fucking cgi character floating around somewhere in the fucking scene and a gross overuse i added that myself of cg for thousands of shots including backgrounds environmental effects vehicles and crowds Judging by the reaction that movie still gets, I'm going to go ahead and say, you overdid it. But I'm not the first, won't be the last, and there's going to be people that bitch at me for saying that, so whatever. But, that was the 90s uh, in CGI. And I mean, a lot of the stuff that I mentioned over the last 25-30 minutes um, has been used over and over again and continues to get perfected and perfected and perfected. I mean, all his little, like, Pikachu fibers and, like, they talk and their mouths move in a realistic manner. Like, it's it's real fucked up. Like, CGI has come leaps and bounds. So, there's uh, some of the movies that laid down the path for some of your favorite films of today. This has been Schnod Tadley. Thank you for listening. God bless the United Kingdom. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Was that cool? Probably not. Uh, thank you guys for listening and for reaching out. Again, it is crazy. We've had in the last week, I think my timeline's all fucked up, but in the last leak, leak, the last leak week, it's the wiki leak week. Oh my God, it is. Haha, <laughs> Sanj. Within <laughs> the last week, uh, we had the one day that was record-breaking daily downloads. Um, it was, and this might not sound like a lot to some people, but it was over 100 one day. And then literally the next day, even more than the day before, I couldn't fucking believe it. Um, I don't know if it was because it was fucking WrestleMania was on and... Uh, we did a wrestling podcast, but it was, uh, blew my mind and you guys reached out and I got so much support coming out and I, I really appreciate it. Uh, camp anarchy is only six weeks away. So get your punk rock tickets and head out to that. Cause that's going to be a fucking blast. And I keep making my playlist even bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. 
Uh, I got a button maker, so I've been making a bunch of buttons. So if I see you at the festival, ask me for a button, I will have bags full of them. And not just for the podcast, just random shit. I got who's the boss buttons. I got uh, buttons for toys from the 90s. I got a fucking Mr. Bucket button. So <laughs> lots of stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Beers and 90s. You can email me Beers and 90s at gmail.com. That's B E E R S A N D 90S. And I look forward to continue to do this for the rest of my goddamn life. But seriously, until I decide I'm an alcoholic and stop doing this. So thanks, guys. And let me know what you think. And follow us and drop your phone on the floor like I just did. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay? Bye. 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 End of message.